I'm Smitty. This week on Games You Deserve, I've been sending people blood-splattered bananas. Plus, I'm Dan, and since real sports are canceled, we take a look at esports during the COVID-19 pandemic. Plus, I'm Eric. We'll slap some imps around in the game of the week. cool to see all these uh, folks in the discord that we've got getting their uh, shipping notifications for that banana. Oh, I know it took a minute, you know, with the uh, pandemic stuff that slowed down all the global shipping. And, and as you know, like when we're recording this right now, even it is, uh, we have a lot of countries that have shipping that has just stopped, but, uh, and so we're holding, like all of their shipments for certain countries, like, I mean, Germany and Spain, not just, you know, little tiny countries, but their list is big. But yeah, it is exciting to see finally that uh, my friend Pedro, the reserves with the reserve box and the lenticular cards made it out into people's hands. People have already been going crazy, you know, about the new processes that we're using on the, on the boxes and how we're preserving, you know, and honoring the art a little bit more with the, uh, the new and improved reserve game boxes. <laughs> what's the banana? What do they get? What kind of banana are they getting? The Pedro? Oh, tell them, Eric. What, what, what's the, what's the, what's, what's a banana? You know, I, I, for those of you that aren't familiar with uh, my friend, Pedro, Pedro is uh, a friend. Pedro's a little floaty banana guy. <laughs> and uh, he tells you to do some crazy things. You know, he's in your head, but no, but in, in all seriousness, this, uh, this really neat pack-in that we get with these uh, with these reserves and Smitty's Smitty's sitting here flashing it to Dan right now. Uh, it's this great, you know, like the stress balls. It's like that, but it's a banana shape. It's got the little Pedro face on there and uh, the logo on the back, and it's got a uh, nice little blood splatter on there. Which, by the way, every single banana is unique. None of the blood splatters are exactly the same, which is really cool. Well, they were hand done. That's why. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. One, one at a time. And there's some really cool ones out there where uh, some people went a little nuts, and there's maybe a little more blood on some of them than others. Oh, so. oh I showed that. It's this one. I showed yeah, I showed this one on Discord, <laughs> and uh, I said, here was one, an example of overspray. And a couple of the guys really like that one <laughs> i said there's only one there's literally that yeah, one there's only one that's that bad yeah and i mean but, we could uh, randomly ship it out to somebody but yeah i'm sure uh, i was thinking a lot about the box though not not just the banana because the uh there's some really really nice processes for the blood that's on the box right where it's an extra couple of layers there. And you can, if you put your hand on the box and touch it, you can feel the difference. Eric, the technical term for that is Here we go. raised UV. Raised UV. <laughs> and, uh, Don't I know it. <clears throat> and might I say, on, on Pedro, we did multiple passes of raised UV. And so what UV is, it's just a, a clear 
material. Um, it's it's like glue. Imagine like Elmer's glue, if you will. It's like got almost that thick consistency. It'll, it'll stay where you put it, and it doesn't spread too much. But it li- re- literally is liquid. You know, it's it's like a gloss, and so it accentuates all the color and everything that's underneath uh, of the. Uh, whatever you know it's on top of but then you can actually give it uh its own shape uh be as you do multiple passes you can build it up with one pass two pass three pass it's kind of like i don't know legos or something they stack like, like 3d printing like 3d people. printing that's how that works it, it is 3d printing it's 3d yeah. printing with this type of material and then we can also add grit and textures and like hotline miami it has uh multiple uh processes on it and one of them was grit uv uh where we use different um basically it's a lot of dots uh, little dot patterns they're not physical dirt in this uv but you can feel that texture when you put your hands on it yeah it's tactile it's essentially tactile all of this is tactile and there's so it's not just one process used over and over again like you know spot uv (laughs) that came out in the late 90s on all of our game boxes and we i mean everybody spot uv their screenshots on all of the product boxes because it made them look cool you know it's like oh man that's a neat shine or whatever yeah they pop if you're at home and you want to print something out even if you've got like a a nice color inkjet that thing's feeding a single sheet of paper through and it's laying all the ink down in one pass one pass that's not what's happening here with these boxes multiple passes these things are going through and they're getting you know layers and layers built onto them for these different processes oh yeah yeah I, i think we count it like for hotline miami I think if you really count the layers, we have like seven. I mean, because because yeah. I'm also making my own paper. Don't forget, you know, I, I had that one material that we were making uh, boxes out of last year, and um, and I just knew we could improve it maybe a little bit more. And the answer was just to make my own paper. So I'm laminating my own paper stock with this certain material and that's our base layer to print on and then we start with white layers and then we do the art and then we do all these other processes we're talking about and then we do debossing and in you know so the whole thing is there like you said tactile you know the word tactile is what it's all about for me in the physical world is like how do we honor and preserve this digital art you know and the stuff we do at special reserve games is these uh, we're dedicated to kind of the old school way of presenting these games with uh, a proper product box, a cool instruction booklet that's printed, you know, and maybe a couple of cool things like stickers or whatever, and keep it simple. And then just beautiful art and design of the packaging, you know, and a great game inside. <laughs> but I think the end result when you when you grab that as a collector and you you put this thing up on your shelf, because um, I've got I've got all of our boxes in the most prominent place in my collection that I'm sitting here, not the one behind me, but the one in front of me and each box sitting right next to each other. And some of them look similar in the overall aesthetic, but of course all the artwork's different, but then we mix in these other designs and and some of that's coming with what we have right here in, uh, in Pedro going out. And then hotline Miami is going to kind of, combine some other elements and bring some new stuff to everyone, which is going to look great. I mean, some of the proofs that we've seen from the early processes and the tests just to find that, to kind of tune that in as Smitty's saying, they're, they're just amazing. Even the, even the proofs are just amazing. So it, it's a great thing to see. Yeah. And you know, in the end, all we're trying to do, all I'm trying to do in this business is, um, you know, just 
get things that I would like to collect and, you know, and whatever, but some of the, it, it, it feels handmade when it goes out, you know, like that's not a bad thing. You know, it used to be kind of when I was growing up, you wanted these, you know, handmade was what your grandma gave you, you know, or what your cheap aunt, uncle who didn't want to buy you a present, he made you something, you know, and you wanted something from Kmart for goodness sake or Sears, you know? <laughs> and I was like, so you remember back in the day where handmade almost meant something different. And I think we went so far, the pendulum swung so far into the mass manufacturing uh, type of idea that that's why what we do, it's, it's kind of funny to me how radical people think that we are in some of our approach, like, Oh my gosh, this is so amazing. Thank you for doing this. I'm like, all I am doing, I'm telling you is what I bought from Sears, you know, and what I bought from the weird com computer shop at the strip mall in Enid, man, they were all handmade. I mean, handmade from the jump. Uh, and so like the packaging and all that, one of the guys on discord, uh, I had to be one of the dog fathers, one of the OG or well, not of the OGs, but the insider group, <laughs> we're the OGs, er. but, uh, one of the dog fathers mentioned, um, that, that they really appreciated the handmade approach or might've been one of the pupper chat guys. And it, it, they just said they appreciated the handmade feel or whatever these boxes. And I was like, man, I can think of no greater compliment for me personally as a designer or just a publisher or whatever that I was like, yeah, that's what I'm going for. <laughs> you know, it, it shouldn't yeah. feel like it was made in mass. It was felt like it was made by a few people who really cared about this art for you, you know, and it's special. You do have a one of a kind. It's cool. You know, it's a collectible. Okay, we all know how much Cleveland loves Tecmo Bowl, so let's start playing. I'm the Raiders, I'm Bo Jackson, and hopefully he'll show up. That's no fair, Bo Jackson's too fast. Bye-bye. <laughs> See, Peter, he's too fast. You gotta tackle me, it's B. You gotta press B. I'm pressing B, he's too fast. Change your guy, Quagmire, change your guy. I'm trying, Peter's cheating. You're cheating, Peter. I'm not cheating, I'm following the rules. I'm just really good. You're not really good, you just got Bo Jackson. So now, of course, with the, with the uh, whole COVID-19 pandemic, sports has been canceled, like regular sports. Uh, and I know that you guys talked about, I remember back in, I think it was episode one, you guys talked about uh, playing Tecmo Bowl uh, and the football games that you played when you were kids. Uh, being a big part of it, right? You want to kind of recreate those those games that you saw on TV. Um, for me, of course, I'm in Canada, so it's hockey. Hockey is the sport of choice here. That's the only real... No, I mean, we do other sports too, but hockey is the most popular one. You got curling too, right? We do have curling, yes, but I don't think there are any curling video games. I would love to see that. There should be. There should be. Smitty, get on that. No, no, there might be like... Well, you know they do those Olympics games? Like there's uh, Sonic and Mario Olympics and stuff like that. There might be something. Because curling is a winter Olympic sport. There might be that. I don't know. I'll, I'll try and figure that out. But yeah, um, so so hockey's canceled. Very upset about it. I've been going to, you know, a lot of Jets games and stuff like that and, and having a great time. Um, and so this yesterday, <laughs> I noticed on my lunch hour that uh, our local team, the Winnipeg Jets did a live stream of a video game it was nhl 20 it was it was the current ea sports version of uh of uh the nhl series 
and it was a game from the with the current roster of the team versus the alumni roster so all the old legends all the greatest players to ever play the game on the jets so it was old versus new and it's a complete computer simulation so there's nobody actually playing it we were just watching oh. uh, a simulation which oh. is i know <laughs> they right. didn't even have one of the players well, playing you, it that's, yeah when you said wow. simulation i was like i didn't know exactly what you meant but now i'm like oh that sucks I know it was I didn't know though at first I didn't know I'm like oh we're watching this game maybe it's like they maybe it's two of the top players in the team playing against each other or something like that that would be fun yeah and then the other thing I noticed about but it had like uh the video had like 21,000 views or something which isn't bad for like a short-lived video like that like a lot of people I think are starved for that kind of content they really want to watch hockey so they'll watch that the other thing I saw on the weekend is this NASCAR series. Have you guys seen these? Yeah, yep. these, these NASCAR ones are doing and indie indie racing as well as doing it, um, where they're simulating racing, and it's it's a bit different because I mean the, the hockey game, even though it was people playing the hockey game, it's still one player versus one player. You're not getting a team of you know five players mm-hmm. in one team, five players in another team. But for racing, they can actually pretty accurately simulate um right. the racing part of it and the guy sitting like i saw the setup on this on this article the guy sitting in a chair with a steering wheel like daytona remember daytona you were talking about uh eric back in the again episode one daytona that yeah. kind of a game but like super fan super well, high tech well i mean heck i'm i actually worked on cart precision racing that's championship auto racing teams that was the last game we did for microsoft and that was way more a simulation than a game and we had michael blundell uh, and he was uh, originally from England, but Michael Blundell was a racer for kart. And I, I think he went to F1, maybe. And But uh, it's uh, absolutely, and what, to your point about how it's easy for him to simulate for the driver, for NASCAR specifically, it's also very easy for them to simulate because the, the idea of NASCAR is we start you with the same engine. We start you with a very similar uh, frame and, and you can only use these kinds of tires. You can only use these types of things, you know, so everybody kind of has a similar kit and it's not so much how you put it all together. It's how you tune that kit and then how your driver drives that kit. Right. And, you know, so the NASCAR cars are all pretty much identical, you know, to each other from their power, you know, for what their core is. So they, that would be easy to simulate that plus GPS positioning, um, because the tracks don't move, <laughs> the tracks stay static yeah. and, uh, and you can absolutely go and plot every square inch and every square centimeter of that track accurately, including probably bumps and in the asphalt or whatever type of surface they have, you know? And, and then it's all about who can turn left more. Oh, wait. <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah, mm. but man, I tell you what, every, <laughs> it's going to say every left turn. Just sounds like this. Cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. <laughs> that might be the case. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not a I'm not a huge racing guy, but if I if I am watching racing or if I am interested in that in in some way, it's usually open wheel over NASCAR. Well, so they're doing the same thing though. The open wheel are doing the same thing, right? They have yeah, the same race. Indy circuit and F1. Those are a little bit more interesting to me personally, and I, I like the idea of that though of taking the simulation 
and and running those guys through the paces of that. Um, but I think in that particular case, man, how cool would it be to kind of get yourself set up in a rig the way the old arcades had, where you know you're sitting inside of something with a wheel and pedals that's, and that's all that sort of is. thing. Brother, I have I have one of my friends that has one of those yeah. in his house, and and he is an ex NASCAR driver, and he ha- it's all on hydraulics and everything. I mean, I mean some of those nuts. some of those games also had like um the the resistance you feel right, the resistance force feedback the as you turn and, yeah in. yeah and that kind of stuff so it feels realistic but but uh the fun part is that they're like um they're like chirping with each other and and like you know the this back and forth it doesn't yeah. really happen during a race because you can't talk to each other so there's a little bit of fun stuff happening one of the guys rage quit apparently he was so upset about a crash <laughs> he rage quit and got out of there real. um and they are getting legitimate drivers. Like Denny Hamlin was in this one. Uh, I don't remember who else. There was a couple of other racers. These guys use those simulators as just like people who fly. Yeah. I mean, they use they used to use Microsoft Flight Sim. I mean, right. I, I live in my hometown. Shout out had uh, Vance Air Force Base, and they were a T thirty eight. They still are a T thirty eight trainer base, and they train in T thirty sevens. And they've always had a room full of simulators. You know, simulators mm-hmm. have always been a thing for how long? So, uh, well, I mean, the military even, even uses simulators and, and like constantly, and, and not just not yeah. not just in flight. They do it for tanks. They do it for all kinds of different. But but let's talk about that. Why though? You know, the simulation is totally to fool our brain. It's totally to give us a more human experience. Yeah. Because I don't really know that it affects our performance in a game necessarily better you know because you're just playing the game with your eyes you know you're not really feeling the inertia and everything like that your life's not really on the line although i gotta say you know if you can really if you can really get into it you know those some of those simulators uh, you talked about microsoft flight simulator man those guys get down to every if you really want you can get the dashboard of of that commercial plane with every single knob every single lead every like they can really get deep what happened i got bubbled <laughs> well there's that Gosh, man oh, this is worse than real life these guys forget his 150 lap rates come on bubba <laughs> stupid thing <laughs> I'll give uh, all the credit to a guy named Rich Harvey, who's no longer with us from Terminal Reality, and he uh, spearheaded uh, programming a KLN-89 GPS by Bendix King when we did fly a general aviation flight simulator on par with, you know, Microsoft Flight Sim, and to program a GPS, which that was a visual GPS back in the day. Those were, it was all yeah. based on r- radio pings. And, you know, that's how you figured out your positioning by how far away you were from certain radio uh, towers and whatnot. And, and visual identification was <laughs> a dream. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, that was uh, to be able to program and do all that kind of detail. Uh, yeah, it, it, it uh, spent people, people who fly and people who drive, you know, they love the machines and they love the performance of those machines. And so I think that's the one thing, like when you get into the esports side of the gaming, how, you know, it is kind of funny to say, oh, NASCAR, esports, that's not a real deal. Well, it is because they are tuned in on their game. Just like if you were playing Call of Duty Warzone, your dropout, you know, your loadouts, I'm sorry, your loadouts for uh, your custom guns and stuff that you earn get different unlocks for, you know, a special grip or a special muzzle brake or a special, you know, sight or a laser. And so you, quote, tune in your 
machine to, you know, so you can have the best performance with it. And I think that's the same thing that can be applied to say your NAS, the NASCAR style of esport racing, because you can do the same thing. And it's actually pretty representative of the, the physical world. Yeah, of course. And you want to get into it. But the one thing I would say that's probably different as far as the NASCAR stuff goes is you can take more risks because you know you're not going to die if you crash. Like True. there's that, True. right? When you're really racing and you crash, there's a good chance you could die, although they're safe. But there's always that chance. But when you're doing it in a simulator, you know that's not going to happen. So there's a part of your brain that knows that it's not real, even though it might feel real. But the, what blew me away about it was the realism of what it was what it looked like like I, it was on this like i don't even know why i still have sports channels right now i should just cancel them all because there's nothing all they're doing is showing old reruns of like old games from the 80s i i came across this and i'm like what is this like an old race or something it was new and it was it looked real like it just looked like a real race and the only thing that looked weird is that when they stopped the pit all the cars were like raising and lowering with, like their tires are being changed but there's nobody there changing the tires like now that was happening um but they still simulate that tire wear and all the other stuff that happens during a race as well so you do have to pit you do have to stop and refuel and that kind of stuff uh which is really cool but yeah it looked super real imagine how cool that is for the game developers to be able to watch something like that with i was thinking about the racing one if they turn around and watch the behaviors of the drivers doing this in the Sims and take that feedback and roll that into that next game, right? I mean, th this is what you're talking about an event like this with multiple drivers doing this live in a simulator is not something they can always pull off. You know, they can get drivers and they can go do that but to have a bunch of professional drivers, like a whole host of professional drivers doing it at the same time and pulling that data in live together. That's, that's a great experience, a great opportunity for them to learn some stuff and roll that into the next game. Well, you've never built a whole season around that. You might've built a, a game around that, but you haven't like the whole idea of a you know, battle Royale and, you know, mm -hmm. and all this has brought a whole different idea to multiplayer gaming. You know, it used to just be, you know, quake and, you know, another thing you know, back in the day, love you know, those. I love them, love them, but it was a different style. Like I'm yeah. super deep into Warzone. you know, I'm played every single night. And, um, but the thing about, uh, the competition that you could look at with, um, you know, a NASCAR that has a real world representative where I know so does Call of Duty, but we're not a real little different. Yeah, just a little <laughs> different. <laughs> but I mean, but so the NASCAR thing you could actually compare if you go back to the idea I was talking about how in the real world the real cars do have the same basic specs and then mm -hmm. and we know by gps positioning uh or where the cars would be on any track at any given time what you could do is you could be able to synchronize real world racing with esports simulator and you would be able to have people on the say the pc or a console queued up you could download all the tracks that they're going to race you know we're all racing the same track we all have quote unquote the same engine in the same car with the same type of performance it all comes down to driver you know skill and then you could technically be able to race in a virtual space against real world drivers in real time as they were really racing the real tracks because when they start you start everybody's synced and you know where they are at all times on the track and you know where and then you would almost be able to see them. And if you really wanted to freak the drivers out, you could give them a heads up display while they're racing that they could actually see digital racers, you know, virtual racers, esports. So there's a few ways that I think that esports 
could actually bridge a few real world sports with digital, you know, virtual uh, sports and actually let them create a new sport. So what about games like League of Legends or um, Dota or these other kind of more fantastic games that are not as grounded in reality as what you've been talking about? We're going to have to find some dragons then. I mean, <laughs> there's no, no other answer. No, but it's it certainly it makes a case for the, the old argument that esports aren't real sports. People always you know get into the physical nature of it. A sport is something that takes physical effort which you know argue arguably you ever see starcraft well, <laughs> you ever see these players play starcraft no, i know yeah that's right uh don't tell me that ain't a sport <laughs> i've got my space force t-shirt that's right. right that's yeah that's the thing like it's still it's, it's as much mental as it is physical and it is about coordination and it is about reaction time and reflexes and all that stuff is plays into it so well their heart their heart is racing man their their blood is pumping their adrenaline is kicking through just just because they're physically sitting down doesn't necessarily mean anything. So's the driver in a in a race car, and you ever see him at the end of that? You know how emotionally and physically worn out they are at the end of something like that, and they're sitting down, they're turning a wheel, you know, but they're not running, they're not they're not you know taking a jog, but it's still a sport. They're still they're exerted. Oh, you know, you it's, said that. I was getting ready to say we're going to have some real angry people. <laughs> that, that's exactly where I'm going with it, though. Is it's it's just as exerting. They're they're putting their body through the physical paces. I kind of liken this, and I'm going to make a an equivalent argument here to what you're talking about with something like LOL or or Fortnite or whatever, uh, poker. Poker tournaments. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but if you are sitting there yeah. and you realize how difficult it is to put your real money or the chance of some serious money on the line when you are, you know, heads up with somebody on a set of cards and, you know, you've got, you got to make that decision to push in or not. And you don't know if you're going to walk away with that money or not. That, that gets your adrenaline pumping. And hours of that is also draining. Well, that was a, the joke when all this started out and, you know, they canceled the NBA system, canceled all the, the NHL season and all the sports stopped. Uh, was that, oh, I guess all these networks are going to show poker 24 hours a day. We've got like five channels that are all dedicated to poker. That, that They did that. Yeah, so I know. There's still that uh, as well. I mean, they are hurting for content right now, which is par probably part of the reason why they did this. But it certainly is more exciting to have real people involved than it is to do a, like, I, I thought the thing with the, with the hockey game was a bad, like, it was fine, but it was like, get real people involved. Otherwise, don't yeah, bother. Yeah, why not have the players yeah, actually well, play they, that? They say like, they're going to, like, I made that comment on the, on the, uh, on the stream and they said we're going to work on that they've done it with the nba the nfl does this and, mm -hmm. and, they're, and they're more like novelty you know things they haven't ever really coalesced around the idea that you know like dak prescott is actually going to play dak prescott yeah know? i mean yeah. like that's that's a concept and then don't you think that might be a actually it might be beautiful for esports because then you might have pro athletes and everything getting so in depth with these that each and every player might actually have an absolutely real world facsimile if you will <laughs> i mean they're getting close right a, a lot of those sports they do they bring in all the stats and the player is very close every player and like record i mean i know they're doing that for like motion you know for graphical reasons uh, and i'm sure they do some for performance reasons
This episode brought to you by Fetch. Give the gift of play. Fetch is a game for dogs. What is it? It's a ball. We have large and small, depending on your dog's preference or maybe their physical size. But while everyone is sheltering in place and hanging out with some social distancing, your dog is going through this too. So your dog might want a little game to play and heck, you might want a game to play with your dog. So how about a fun, safe, slightly minty taste ball do you know that personally have you have you checked that out and tested that yeah the the ball does have a minty uh smell and it does have a slight minty flavor hey if my dog was going to chew on it and i love my dog i at least had to taste it once right just to see but uh you know fetch is on sale currently at specialreservegames.com if you buy a game of fetch for 20 dollars, and that includes free shipping in the united states we at Special Reserve will match that ball, giving one to another dog, a dog that's in need, a dog that's in a shelter that's been rescued. We work with an organization called Street Dog Project here in Dallas, Texas, where they rescue dogs that are in dire physical need, and then they rehab them and help get them fostered and hopefully eventually adopted out. So every single time someone buys a game of fetch for $20, you get a ball and a dog that's homeless in dire physical need that's being fostered and sheltered also gets a ball. So why not give a game of fetch today? Go to specialreservegames.com, buy a game of fetch or two for your dog and share the gift of play. Mm, and you're right. This, this is minty. Since you're talking about poker too, and sports of all kind, I mean, then we can also talk about the gambling side of things uh, because esports. Uh, there's a ginormous uh, world of gambling, like Las Vegas gambling around esports for games like Overwatch. And really? What on... do you think of that, though? I, I'm curious what your take is. Well, I mean, <laughs> well, number one, anything that I've I've always kind of ever, never trusted, you know the the games, right? You know, I always think, is this game cheating me? <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't until you know he started making the games that he really realized it might not be cheating you, but there might be a bug. You know, there might be a little small bug. They exist. And out of millions of lines of code, you know, there, there might be an, something off. But so, you know, it's hard to believe that you could rely 100% on a digital game being flawless and being completely based on player skill versus playing sk- player skill, you know, True. like, let's just say you just, I don't know, freaking someone wrong with the CPU and I had a millisecond delay, you know, I mean, whatever, I just don't know. Uh, so yeah, there's a couple of things that are different than real world sports betting, but real world sports betting, you have way more of a, I think, a a negative influence, you know, for people who are really trying to, you know, people can be uh, swayed, uh, machines, no, you know, you can't you can't use emotional baggage on a machine most of the time to get it to do what you want. Have you ever placed a wager on an esports event? Never, never. But I was just having a competition, or excuse me, a conversation. I was having a conversation with a guy about esports betting, and they had de- developed an algorithm that allows for a more accurate point spread or, or, you know, bet prediction for the casino side. And so they could offer better odds, more accurate odds. 
Now, of course, you know, the house always wins. They want those odds to be of in their favor, do. of course. But but this this was a serious conversation uh, with a very serious guy. And they were already in uh, talking with a very serious casino in Las Vegas about this very thing, about more accurately giving uh, uh, bets out, you know, or offering different uh, lines for esports. <laughs> so they are trying to figure it out. So I think my answer is it's in its infancy. We're going to see what it really does. But um, I don't think that it's. I've never really liked gambling. I'm not a huge fan either, but if you've ever gone to Vegas and you've seen the, uh, the, the, their slot machines are basically just video games now. Oh yeah. Like if you look at those big digital slot machines, I went there and I found a star Wars one and I couldn't get away from it. Cause it was so freaking cool. Was it the one that had the death star on the top that spun around? I think so. And it was because like- that's an amazing, that I, I've played a couple of those and th- that was an amazing game for a slot machine. I made that game. You'll never win. I got all your money. <laughs> of course, of course, you'll never win. But I think honestly, this is a, this is. I don't think they exist anymore. It's. Uh, I'm pretty sure this was pre Disney Star Wars. I don't think Disney allows the uh, the Star Wars brand to be used in gambling, but they before that they did, and it was just a lot of fun just to see. You know, you get to the bonus and you choose the droids and do all these things on the screen. It's a touch screen, and it's basically it's all digital. There's no like back when these are still physical slot machines where you pull the lever of the thing. Um, it was all kind of clockwork. They had a way to make sure it was random every time. Now it's random by program. Isn't that weird? Isn't that weird how all of this stuff is converged, right? You're talking what you're talking about. You're bringing in things. You're taking video games. You're taking sports. You're taking gambling. And all these things are now kind of coming together, right? And it's all converged into just one giant industry. I mean, look how many people look at Konami and what Konami has done over the years with their properties. There are, they're more of a, a, a gambling company than they are a video game company mm-hmm. now. And Konami's really? got some amazing properties. Yeah. They, a lot of their stuff goes into um, these, these gambling machines oh, overseas yeah. and they take their properties and stick them on there and they make a ton more money doing that than they ever did on video games. You know, for people who aren't familiar, look them up. These they're like, literally pennies and nickels and die like you're not sitting there betting dollars no like they're these these little penny machines and they they're they're everywhere they have little arcades that are just little gambling machines just you know stuck over right next to the machine that gives you any kind of food out of a machine that you want. and you can yeah. win, you can win some real money out of those things in some of the spots but i mean oh yeah it, it, it's just to me i just find it fascinating how how all of that stuff has kind of kind of come in together into its own uh thing and it's converged into one major part of the industry so well, but gambling on sports of any kind, I think, was not necessarily just a way to make money and it's all about capitalism. I think it was a way for other people to get another kind of thrill and excitement out of sports. It's like another layer of sports. Some guys really could care less. They don't know any of the teams. They could care less. They just know stats. Some guys are love the Dallas Cowboys and only bet on the Dallas Cowboys, and that's and, and that's cool, you know, and then some people play. So... There's all kinds of, but I just think it's, it's an excitement level. It adds another level to the game of sports for some people. Well, what the difference is between esports and say the NFL versus like, let's say Fortnite players, you know, that are competing that the NFL only, you know, half of a percent of 1% of the 1% of 1% of people that even ever play football in their life would ever end up in the NFL. But Fortnite if you got 40 bucks, 
you're playing. Well, hell, it's free. But I mean, you know, if you got forty bucks, you're you're doing you know your packs and you're getting extra guns. But you don't even the barrier of entry to be a esports player is much much lower. And I'm not discounting it. I'm just saying the opportunity is much wider and more open for esports players to engage and practice and try to get better and one thing about esports is if you practice you can get better but let's say in the nfl it doesn't matter how much you work out you're not going to grow six inches tall or six inches taller you know or eight inches taller or run two miles you know in in three minutes you know you're never going to do those things because gravity <laughs> right <laughs> and, and you know and other things like that but i mean some people are physical specimens that they can do that yeah and you just so that's what i'm just saying esports i think gives a greater opportunity for people to be competitive if they want to be competitive in this and uh and i think that that might maybe decrease some of the uh, onus on uh, mimicking exactly what professional sports are with the whole thing about betting all around it, the types of sponsors that sponsor it, the way that, you know, events are broadcast and shown, because we've already changed that with uh, Twitch and Mixer. You know, we've already changed how uh, competitive esports are even broadcast. And, uh, and I think it's great because I feel like the video game industry maybe has a little tighter grasp on all of our products and everything like that and how they're marketed because we just will not tolerate uh, misinterpretation of our artwork and stuff. You know, I've seen it before. I, I was a developer. I'm a publisher now. And I have, you know, Eric, I have many conversations where I was like, oh yeah, you're not going to do that. Well, then we're not doing it. It's over. Thank you. We're out. Bye. Next. There's just no, there's no room. Right. You know? And so unlike most other industries, you know, in the video game business, when you own an intellectual property, um, you can actually throw down the gauntlet and say no. And that's your negotiating tactic, you know? Yeah, you can walk away. Certainly. I I think one of the things that, that I find really interesting about the, this portion of it here though, is the, the way that the fans feel so much closer to this than they do real sports. I mean, it, even if you, let's say, let's just say you grew up and you played football in high school and maybe even you played football in college, you know, let's just say you went, you went so far to do that. You probably knew there was still not a, you know, snowball's chance in hell that you were going to make it into the pros because it's 1% of 1% of 1% that even gets there. And then and it's another one. <laughs> yeah. And then it's another 1% of that that even makes it on the field. So, and then can I cut in and tell you something? I talked to an offensive lineman from the NFL and you know what the average life expectancy of an NFL lineman is in the NFL? Oh, just a few years. If that 18 months. Yeah. Boom. Wow. I guess, crazy. guess what the guess what the minimum qualification is to the nonprofit, non-taxpaying NFL. Guess what the minimum qualification is in years played to get to uh be able to get long-term medical coverage. Do you think it's three years? Mm. It is. Yeah. Beyond <laughs> you know, yeah, beyond the threshold. You think yeah. it's twenty-four months, you know? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you're right. And it's exactly. amazing how that lines up. But but in, in esports, like you said, the barrier to entry is that much lower, right? Because a fan can pick up a mouse and a keyboard and a computer that's halfway decent, plug into their favorite kind of game, and it doesn't have to be League of Legends. It doesn't have to be NASCAR's type stuff. It doesn't have to be what it can be almost any type of game now that's competitive yep. and yep. boom off to the races they go and if they spend a little time and get get good they they can register for a tournament and 
hell, hit it big. Become, you know, the next ninja. Brother, I'm watching an Age of Empires 2 tournament on Twitch Rivals channel at, for the last two weekends. Yeah. <laughs> Age See? of Empires 2. You know what I'm saying? This is not, you don't have to be a first person shooter. No, nope. I mean, there's a, there's, yeah. there's a game for everybody. I mean, we talked about the fighting games just a little bit before. And guess what? What's one of the biggest esports fighting games there is? Street Fighter. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's a good point about the fans, though, because it really is like the fan response to any of these is really what makes it what it is. I mean, you can have people playing, but if they don't play in front of anybody, does it really happen? Probably, but uh, but uh, are these people even real? <laughs> no? But the the uh, the fans are what kind of drives sports, right? All sports. That's really what it is. It's about getting people to watch and enjoy the the uh, exhibition of it. And you can do that whether it be a physical, you know, game of football or hockey or whatever, or if it's a virtual game, you can still do that. This one other thing that, that started I started us off with this this talk about the simulated hockey game in the comments in the chat. People were all talking about the the Jets and how much they missed the team in the old days, and lots of people were reminiscing about watching the uh, the legend players play when they were on and that kind of stuff. Mm. And there was a great sense of community there, and I think that's what you get out of all of these, no matter wh- whether it's esports or or uh, quote unquote real sports, you get that sense of community from other fans of the same same thing. I just want to say, go Blackhawks. That's fine. Go Stars. Uh, the captain of the <laughs> the captain of the Blackhawks is from Winnipeg, so you're welcome. As if somehow you had something to do with that. Yeah, for any reason, my old friend Jamie Langenbrunner from the if if Langenbrunner is still out there listening to this Langenbrunner, I miss you. I wish we were back at Macaroni Grill having a two entree lunch, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Langenbrunner was the best. I love the guy. He's awesome. you know the last time we were talking about some uh, some old games and uh kind of sparked a, a memory that i I really hadn't played this game in a long time, so I went out to GOG, you know, Steam's competitor, um, and uh, I went out and picked up Dungeon Keeper. Um, it was it was like a buck forty, and I was on sale, so nice and cheap. And uh, I hadn't played it in years. I, I downloaded that, and uh, I was playing that just before we came onto the podcast. I've actually been playing it uh, for a little bit from last night and a little bit today. And man, I, I just picked it right back up again. For for those of you that aren't familiar with Dungeon Keeper, because I know it's a little bit more obscure, uh, it was made uh, back in 1997, uh, developed by Bullfrog, uh, Bullfrog Productions. They're the same developers that made uh, Populous and Syndicate. Oh, uh, I remember those series. Yeah. Uh, the the main guy that kind of the visionary for this, uh, and, and I know uh, Smitty's going to beat me up about how I say this, but Peter Molyneux. Um, did Molyneux. It? Molyneux. Molyneux. Yeah. I know it's something Molyneux. like that. I've never personally met the guy, but I, I, I have a hunch you might have. Um, yep. That that guy had some tremendous brain power for these things. He made the Fable series. 
Oh, he, wow. he was, yeah, into that black and white. Black and white. Yeah, which man, if you were kicking it around that time, that that was that game visually, but the concept of black and white was next level. Next level. This guy's this yeah. guy's got a great brain for that kind of thing. Oh God, yeah, does he ever? It, it's think about what some of those games are. So so Dungeon Keeper is uh, you you are the dungeon keeper you're the god that's manning the dungeon and uh, so it's a real-time simulation of you being the dungeon keeper you've got a bunch of space a bunch of imps and uh, literally in the game you are the hand that can pick up the imps smack them you can right click on them and smack them around which by the way makes them uh pissed off but they work faster <laughs> and that and that same concept by the way goes right into black and white with the with the hand it's it's so great to see how that works and uh you you know you build treasure rooms and hatcheries and living quarters for your dungeon creatures eventually if you do this right and you you gain enough treasure and you build a training room you can build a library and get some wizards that are there and they attract more all these things attract more and more creatures and then eventually the good guys come knocking and they'll start uh, banging on your walls and trying to break into your dungeon, uh, which is is really great. There's actually uh, a sequel as well, uh, Dungeon Keeper 2. Both games play very similarly. Dungeon Keeper 2 came out a little bit afterwards, like I think it's a couple of years afterwards. But uh, what I found most interesting was a lot of these older games, uh, many of them you can find on Steam and GOG, and some of them use uh, DOSBox, which is basically DOS emulation to run that stuff in a modern setting. So you can just go out, purchase the game, download it, install it, and it's as if you are sitting in front of your old school CRT, right, with your with your beige box on your desk and you're playing this old game, you know, from 20, 30 years ago. And, and uh, like that, no space, takes up great... no space, 281 megabytes I see here, which is like nothing. Yeah. Back then that was a big deal. It was now, back nothing. then, yeah. <laughs> wasn't there something about Dungeon Keeper, Eric, about the, they had an increased like audio field or something like that. And if you had one of the really cool like sound cards or something, you could do, uh, I'm going to say 3D sound, but it's called like, not yeah, ambient, I think crea- you know, I like, think creative had like a, a an audio mode that's that did sound that. blaster, yeah, sound blaster. Because remember, I, I Klipsch had some PC speakers out around that time too, where they had rear speakers, yeah. And I think, I think several of them, uh, so, like you said, creative did. And uh, anyway, I just I thought there was also some other technological advances with uh, with this game that involved the audio. Uh, around it as well as the gameplay for some reason yeah there's some there, and and that game has some amazing sound one of the things that uh is really good about this i think i even mentioned it before is the uh the the mentor the the voice of the game is this uh great voice actor richard writings and uh he's got these wonderful uh sound clips that back in the day were so good hmm. are you sure you haven't been playing populous keeper your dungeon is emptier than your head, trick-or-treat keeper. <laughs> he ended up releasing a sound pack that could replace your uh, system sounds on Windows. So when you logged into AOL, instead of getting the You've Got Mail, it would come up with his voice and go, New mail has arrived. 
And then you've got, you know, you've got his voice doing those kinds of things. Uh, They had just this great ambiance in this game, but really Peter's brain for creating just amazing concepts and putting that into something you can play uh, that that's almost the best part of all of this is, is you have somebody who really was a, a high talent and he's been in the gaming industry for, for decades. Yeah. And the character design on that game was done by a, a, an artist named Mark Healy and uh, in, Mark Healy uh, went on to found a company which made a game called Little Big Planet. Ah, and oh yeah, so very yeah. good, so very he, good. He, Mark Healy went on. I think he he was co-founded uh, Media Molecule. So uh, anyway, just you know, once again, if you dig into some of these old games, you will realize, or older games, that oh my gosh, the talent, just that, like the talent we had at Terminal Reality, and we were all in awe of Peter Molyneux and. Uh, Eh, or Malinier. <laughs> How did you say it? I can't remember. Malinier. Malinier. But, uh, and he's English, so I'm not even trying to be rude here. <laughs> but so anyway, it's, uh, you know, the great talent. Yeah, I I really appreciate a lot of those older games and, and picking up the... Uh, the the mouse again for those i actually pulled down a few other really uh really good classics i know we were talking about some of the uh the old gta games and uh, i saw those on there too some of the 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 first couple of those that were the top down um but you know to the creativity because of the limitations that that's something that we don't have to deal with as much anymore in in your mind's eye if you want something to appear on screen as long as you've got the talent and the artistry to make that kind of thing happen you can pretty much make it look however you oh, want yeah. but that wasn't <clears throat> yeah. the case back then that wasn't oh, no. it wasn't we had so many limitations on the the machines capabilities the program capabilities the game engines weren't what they are today and yet with those limitations some truly amazing games were able to be made and released and it really set the pace and tone for what modern gaming is it's it's just something that when you revisit it today you can certainly see the fruits of that in what we have now well i'm just gonna say it minecraft is a level editor that's all minecraft is it's just a level editor like this is what we would have made a tool like this so so peter molyneux Molyneux, uh, Terminal Reality, anybody else. I mean, current developers, they, they, you know, we all made our own tools back then to do uh, things, but uh, level editors were one of the main things that we had to build for ourselves, you know, to be able to have this shared, cooperative, creative collaboration here. And man, that was amazing. My mother would be so proud of me on that uh, <laughs> string of words. But uh, it, so it was uh, like Minecraft when it came out. The thing that resonated with me, my and my daughter, my daughter and I added it up. And I think she and I played over 700 hours of Minecraft, probably within just the first six months that it came out. We're playing on next uh, on Xbox 360, uh, you know, and because we could play co-op with each other, you know, we could, and we could go into sandbox and just have fun and just yeah, and, build whatever and, you want, do whatever you want. And, and that's what I realized. I think I don't think I would have appreciated Minecraft as much if I didn't have a child to experience it with, because she was totally unjaded in any way, this was completely a literal sandbox <laughs> for her to play in. She had no preconceptions of what any of this is. Uh, and to her, it was just endless 
open world exploration, building opportunities with no consequence. You know, once you weren't playing the game, you were just playing sound. And so I think there was so many uh, ideas that were new in 1997 when Dungeon Keeper was out. And th those same ideas are, are still new today. It's just we have like you said, different tools to enable that vision to come to life. And um, so kudos to everybody in this amazing industry that has worked their booties off to uh, make make things as cool as they are today. And I can't wait to see what tomorrow brings. Yeah, imagine <laughs> 10 years from now. I mean, or or if we're talking 1997, imagine 23 years from now. We're all just going to have chips in our heads That's sitting right. still uh, communicating with each other without moving. Yeah, I, I hope so. <laughs> I, uh, I just wanted to ask you, Eric, I am, uh, you know, I really like to show my kids older games and kind of teach them the value of them. They, they sometimes roll their eyes and get, you know, oh, the graphics are so bad or whatever they get worked up on that so i try to find the really good games and this looks like a good game dungeon keeper but is it appropriate for my children i wonder uh if it's uh it says mature but that's 19 1997 mature i was that... gonna say it's 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 pretty tame nowadays but i think maybe back in the day it might have been just a little bit on the edge there I mean, is a, that's, i that's... see there is a torture chamber in this game <laughs> it's not what you think <laughs> not 50 it's shades not of gray. it's not that kind of torture no chamber. no no definitely not definitely right. not but it very fun game uh very fun set of games to be honest both of them are are great and they're uh they're definitely classics that i i recommend <laughs> Looks like we are out of lives for games you deserve. I am Eric. I'm Smitty. And I'm Dan. That is it. Thank you for listening. Game over.